This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized cyber asset attack surface management chasm as a category in their hype cycle for network security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Exonius and give your teams time back to work on the high-value cyber initiatives they were trained to do. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again, talking to my partner in crime about one of our favorite topics, which is <laughs> cybersecurity. But we're going to go into a subtopic of cybersecurity, and that is ransomware. Yes, indeed, ransomware. So I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine long day at work. You pull up to your house. You go to open the door, but the key doesn't work. And then you notice that there's a note on the front of that door, and it says, in order for you to get access to your house again, you have to send an appreciable amount of Bitcoin to this address in order to get access to it. That sounds like a complete nightmare, but it happens every day all around the world. So we're talking about ransomware. What, what was the first time that you were introduced to ransomware, Ron? It was back in 2013. I remember it like it was almost yesterday. I heard of this type of malware that was encrypting files and folders and user information on devices. And I thought to myself, why would somebody want to do that? Like, why would someone want to charge someone money for encrypted files? The use case made sense, but what didn't make sense was the extraction of funds. How could you get paid by an organization or a person to conduct this type of attack? But it wasn't until 2015 where I started to see it become a business model for criminal organizations and even nation state adversaries. What about you? Yeah, I would say it's about the same time. And it's funny because I started tracking ransomware as soon as it became a thing. And I quickly realized that this is going to be a mode of revenue for criminals all around the world. And what's crazy about ransomware is the more it's effective, the more people are doing it. You now have like ransomware as a service where someone who doesn't even have a clue about cryptography or how ransomware works or even exploitation can then pay for a service in order to do a ransomware attack and try to get some money. And with the advent of cryptocurrency, it makes it easier for these criminals to get paid. It's untraceable. They used to have to do this crazy hide them, you know, money laundering scheme in order to get their money. But now, it's a direct pipeline. It's a super efficient process. And it's something that people are going to use more and more. You know, I remember back in the day, it used to be kind of like a, a spray and pray. That's where you you send out as many attempts as possible in order to get a couple nickels and dimes here. But now you're finding that it's gone from the spray and pray trying to hit regular Joe and Jan. Now it's going to enterprise. Now it's going to folks that are going to have to pay a lot of money in order to get their data back. That's been the target. 
you know, we've seen some healthcare being attacked. We've seen oil and gas being attacked. We're seeing all these big enterprises and that's where the big money is. So now you have these teams of criminals that are banding together to make these operations as seamless as possible. So what's crazy about it is the evolution, right? It used to be kind of like a stick em up, hold up at a corner store, but now it's like a full-fledged Italian job or Ocean's Eleven, name your, <laughs> your, your, your big heist movie. But now it's getting, it's getting really, really crazy. And so now you're getting to the point where even the criminals have customer service reps where they, they walk folks through like, hey, this is how you pay. We want to make sure your files get decrypted, which is mind boggling to me that uh, a criminal service would have a customer service. Have you heard of that? I have. And that's the incredible part. And this is why in 2013, I didn't think it was such a big deal because back then, if you were to attack a big organization or even a gas pipeline, like you're mentioning, you're going to have serious consequence. The whole world is going to know about it. The FBI is going to be involved and maybe even other government agencies might you know, want a hand in to the investigation to see who the attacker is. But now at this current time, there are so many ransomware attacks that no one can keep up with it. I was actually just reading a statistic a few days ago saying that every 11 seconds, someone is attempting to laterally move and perform a ransomware type of attack. And even this year, the biggest payout in 2021 was $40 million. That is an incredible amount of money. So I would imagine you would need a customer support rep to make sure that you get the funds in cash and and paid in full. (laughs) And that's what's tough. You know, the FBI, and I'm sure sure this is still their stance to this day, but now it's a, a much more nuanced. You know, they used to say never pay the money, but now you're getting into situations where companies need to operate in order to survive? Are are they going to pay the ransom and and have a chance of continuing operations? Are they just going to shut their doors? It's much more nuanced these days, especially when it comes to like the hospitals, because I'm not sure. I thought I saw this, but I think someone even lost their life due to a ransomware attack, and which is a horrible thing. And I'm sure it was unintentional, even though they, they shouldn't be playing around with this stuff in the first place. But now you're getting to the point where lives literally depend on the things that are getting locked up, which is a dangerous game to play. And um, I feel like that's only going to incite more folks to do more ransomwares. The more you you have that that success and you see it in the news, oh, this team got you know $5 million, this team got $20 million, that's going to give people the idea that this is an avenue for me to make money. This is an avenue for me to make money as a nation state or as like a, a organized crime collective on the internet. And so it's such a dangerous game these days. And what's really, really dangerous is when you combine supply chain and ransomware. And that's what happened with Kessia. Kessia was connected to a smattering of different types of organizations. And that's how they were able to springboard into those different environments using supply chain. So when you start taking these cross paradigms and combining them together, that's where you come up with some of the worst case scenarios when it comes to cybersecurity. So let's talk a little bit about the history. Ransomware goes 
far further back than 2013, like when we first got introduced to it, I was reading that, at least on Wikipedia, that the first ransomware variant was found in 1989, which is Whoa. pretty surprising, right? It is. Way back there. But, you know, I would say that the introduction of ransomware to the modern day was around 2013 when we saw CryptoLocker. It was actually only asking for $300 for the key. So mm. like you were talking about, the business use case is growing. Back then, it was 300 bucks. You get your data back, at least for most people, most organizations, most individuals. And, you know, as we start to look further down the timeline, we see Locky, which came out in 2016, yep. which, interestingly enough, it was spread through email. And I think mm -hmm. this was the same even for CryptoLocker and most variants of ransomware in general. It spreads through emails. They take advantage of applications like Microsoft Suite products. Maybe they ask you to enable a macro or another type of vulnerability that they exploit and then laterally move across your environment. One of the things that I've observed as a security practitioner is once you make it past the perimeter, everything gets really soft and the defenses start to break down. And it's actually pretty easy to move from one environment to the next. And I've seen the same with cloud. You know, for an organization that is going through the process of spinning up applications and servers, they're probably using virtual private networks or VPCs and Amazon speak. And they put everything in the same VPC, the same virtual private network. And the next thing you know, if you get popped, then you have a more likely chance of having the ransomware spread. Yeah, that's, you know, one thing that I'm hopeful for is that a lot of folks are moving to the cloud. And I think we can have a lot of protections against ransomware if we virtualize our our infrastructure, if we have things like redundancy and data duplication, right? That makes it a little easier than having that old school on-prem architecture. But I would say until you get there, there's a lot of our health systems on-prem. There's a lot of our critical infrastructure that's still on-prem. Some things can't be virtualized. So that's the stuff that I think that we're concerned about today. It's like, what are these big leverage attacks that could harm our day-to-day? Our -day? When it came to the uh, Colonial Pipeline stuff, I believe it was actually the billing apparatus of the company that was locked up. And it wasn't even necessarily the operational component, but they just weren't able to build. Like as a company, they weren't able to operate. So they just kind of closed everything down until they could get everything fixed. And I think there was an additional concern that it would also spread to the, their operational side as well. But then you look at like, can someone lock up an entire grid, right? Could someone shut down the power via ransomware or something similar to it. Those are like some of the big scary items that people are concerned about. And then obviously the things with the hospital, like people depend on hospitals to stay alive. Some people are on uh, supported care. So some of these things are in the minds of cybersecurity practitioners. And so we need additional funding and additional personnel to help some of these folks because some hospitals, they don't have any security personnel, cybersecurity personnel. So they're really just relying on their IT infrastructure in order to stay safe. And they need as much help as they can get. So I think one of the best things that we could do is bring in additional cybersecurity folks for those organizations, especially when they're dependent upon that technology infrastructure. 
Right. And one of the keywords that comes to my mind um, that I'm actually going to give you as a trivia word Ooh. is the word immutable. What does that mean? Immutable. That means something that doesn't really change. Is that right? That is correct. And that's a programming term also. Like we hear about immutable and mutable object types. And something that is immutable is version history or version control. When we make a change in a Google Doc, for instance, we might have the opportunity to go back a version just in case something went wrong with the version that we're currently editing. And that's the same type of strategy that a lot of organizations will want to take when it comes to tackling that beast of having on-premise technology rather than virtualized technology and try to get some type of version control over your backups. If, for example, you were compromised years ago, then there's a chance that you can go back even further than the compromise started. Sometimes malware variants, ransomware variants, they may lay dormant for a while. So if you went back to a previous backup, you might still be popped. But if you're using things like version control and version history, not only can you have a backup, but you can start to put descriptions as to why this backup is newer and why this backup is of importance and start to use those as clues to investigate to ultimately get rid of that type of attack. You know, that's super, super important. And I think we can't foot stomp it enough. The ability to roll back when something goes wrong, whether it's something that we're building ourselves or something we're using, the ability to roll back to a previously uncompromised service pack or version, whatever it is, is beyond important because these things seem to be happening more and more often. I'm sure there are a lot of supply chain attacks that are occurring right now and we just have no idea that they're occurring. So being able to have that version control like you're talking about, whether it's something we're building or or something we're utilizing is going to be super, super important going forward when it comes to these supply chain ransomware events. But one thing I'd like to think about is what are some of the ways that we could prevent our organizations, ourselves from being a victim of ransomware? One of the main things that I think about is just the same stuff that we've always been saying. It's, you know, be careful how you're handling email, making sure that the email that you're dealing with right there is, is something that you were intending to, to receive. And if it's something that's just a little bit off and it has a link, You can hover over the link if you're careful to see where the actual path is. If it's still a little shady, you can even call the person and say, hey, did you send this to me? And sometimes they'll say yes, and sometimes they'll say no. (laughs) And that's one of the main things about ransomware. The other thing is 2FA. Uh, 2FA or MFA, whatever it is that you use, continue to use it because that can prevent so many other attacks. Now, is it the silver bullet for cybersecurity? No, there are several things that you can do to exploit MFA, but it's so much more difficult to do those attacks when someone has that enabled for their organization or even for the person. Is there anything that you could think of, Ron, that would help defend against these ransomware attacks? There's so much and two things that come to mind. One is, you know, applicable things that we can do, and that is awareness. We always talk about helping people become more aware about cybersecurity or helping their practitioner get tactful. Two great guests that we've had on that have spoke about awareness have been Rachel Toback, and we also had the CEO of Living Security. And really the point to be made here is humans aren't the source of the issue. 
they're really your source of protection. They, they're the ones that can help you prevent these types of attacks and also look for the phishing emails that you were just speaking about. The other piece that I want to really hammer in for myself and other people are ransomware is not the real problem. The real problem is the root cause of why ransomware ends up on our devices in the first place. You might have ransomware in your network because of misconfiguration. You might have ransomware in your network because of outdated software or poorly managed backups. If you really go to the root of why the ransomware existed in the first place, you're bound to uncover a lot more good information, good outcomes, rather than just trying to eliminate one specific type of threat. You know, when you think about ransomware in the future of ransomware, I, I feel like at this point, it's only going to get a little bit worse until it gets better. I think there are a lot of folks that are working on it. We found this uh, pretty cool report. It was uh, this ransomware task force uh, report that came out. We'll be sure to drop that into the show notes. But it, it's really talking about how do we attack this collectively, like not just individuals, not just companies, but really as a, as a holistic community, how do we combat this this ransomware? But I feel like it's going to continue to become organized. They're going to continue to find different tactics that work. It's much like experimentation when it comes to doing any type of product. You experiment, something doesn't work, you try something else. You experiment, you, something doesn't work, you try something else until it starts to work. And then that's when everything kind of breaks loose. That's when you lose your weekend because your incident response uh, a lot of these things are going to continue to happen, but I feel like the more we band together, the more we do research, the more we come together with solutions, the more solutions that are out there being popped up to defend us against these ransomware attacks, I think we'll be better off. But until then, it's going to be a firefight. So on that same note, what are your future predictions of ransomware? I think ransomware is going to continue to go up in, I guess, loss, uh, for lack of a better term, is going to continue to go millions and millions of dollars per year until we figure out something to fix it. I think there are going to be more supply chain ransomware attacks because that's a that's way better than, than spray and pray from a, a logistics standpoint. It's someone that took the time and the understanding to say, okay, this is someone that services a lot of the folks that have high high value companies. So we're going to affect these in order to get that foothold in order to do the ransomware, which is why I spoke a little bit about two-factor, right? Does two-factor like automatically secure you against ransomware? Of course not. But if you have, say, just password authentication enabled everywhere, and this ransomware has an entire table of passwords, uh, maybe it's some credential stuffing files, then you might be into serious trouble because now that that allows it to spread much more evenly. Maybe it has some automated email stuff that's kind of going on. So from that perspective, you want to do as much as you can to protect yourself. But I think it's going to continue. They're going to continue to, to dabble. And we have to stay on that adjacent possible with the enemy, the adversary. We have to be just as voracious about our research and our our innovation as they are. And that's what I think about the future. What about you? I think you were spot on when you mentioned we're going to see an increase of loss. Just like we were speaking about a second ago, the biggest payout of Ransom this year was $40 million. And I think that what we'll see is these criminals and nation state organizations start to ask 
for more money. The ransom is being paid today. So that means that they might not be charging enough at this current moment to get more money or more risk of damage for organizations. And I think the trend's going to continue with healthcare. We're going to see hospitals become more of a target. They don't have the same amount of cybersecurity budget as maybe a technology company. And we'll also see more services pop up for ransomware that are floating around. Like you were just mentioning, it doesn't take much to spray and pray. And we are seeing more targeted types of attacks, but the spray and pray method works. It works just fine. And I think that we'll see even more of that come out. I know for me, I get more emails and more phone calls than ever right now. It's probably people trying to fish me, trying to get me to buy gift cards, and also trying to get me to click and download and install ransomware. So I see that really just going up. But what I see that could be different in the future than just the traditional ransomware that we're seeing today is cloud attacks. Attacks focused Mm. on our cloud providers like AWS or Google Cloud and focus on trying to overcome the challenges that attackers had with what we're just talking about, version control and Mm -hmm. backups and finding new ways to encrypt those sensitive artifacts too. Absolutely. You know, it's rare where we talk about just the threat without any of the optimism. I think we're going to be vigilant. I think we're going to continue to get better together. And I think there's a lot of folks that are way more intelligent than we are working on this issue. So I think we're in good hands. Hope this was a great primer for anyone out there that's more interested in in ransomware and learning more. We'll drop a lot of these resources into the show notes. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see everybody next time. you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. Thank you.